Um, we're going to be continuing on in the life of Christ chronology. Um, we're going to be finding ourselves today picking it up in Matthew chapter 24. So if you want to flip somewhere, you can flip over to Matthew chapter 24 as we continue in the last week of uh, Christ's life in this chronology teaching. If you're new, joining us online or in the room, uh, new, I don't think I see any new faces in the room, but life, um, community at Coast, we have an opportunity to study the word together, and then we break off into our life groups where we can dive a little bit deeper in the text together and just do life together. I know we had a couple questions uh, coming in this week. So just a reminder, when we have a worship night, uh, we do it quarterly, so that should be coming up. But remember, you'll always uh, be notified. Main service pushes through our um, notifications on our phones if you are set up for that. Emails, you, you'll get notified. We'll make sure we remind you guys as far as worship nights. But we do do every first Wednesday of the month, unless otherwise stated, you can expect to have dinner at Community at Coast. Um, that we can uh, just break bread together and then also get into the word. So just for the sake of reminder. Um, so I have the task today to go through Matthew chapter 24 and all of 24 and chapter 25, all of 25. So that is 46 verses in chapter 25 and uh, uh, 51 in 24. So I'm most likely not going to do that today. Um, just looking over my notes, I'm like, this, I'm, I will not do this justice. And I already feel like, I feel like the Lord's just slowing me down already. So I'm excited to jump in uh, to the text today. Um, so we'll be in Matthew 24. If we finish, we finish. If we don't, we'll pick it up in the next, next time together and we'll finish out Matthew chapter 23, I'm um, 24 and 25. So just to, by way of intro and reminder, um, this is Wednesday of Christ's life, right? Wednesday of the last week of Christ's life, right? So we're thinking about it in this context. We've been going through his, his last week together. He's just done the woes of the Pharisees, right? He's just rebuked the hardest rebuke to the Pharisees. They're watching this widow in the temple and seeing how she gives of herself. And then this is where we find ourselves in chapter 24, um, in the Wednesday before um, the crucifixion. So think about that in this context. Friday's coming for Christ, and this is what he decides to teach the church. Before we jump in, let's just uh, go to the Lord again in prayer. Lord, we thank you again for your word. We thank you for the privilege we have to study, uh, to hear your word, to be encouraged by you, Lord. The fact that you have put uh, words on paper for us, that we would be reminded of the things that you have said and things that are to come, things to encourage our hearts. You know we are prone to wander, prone to forget. So I thank you for the grace of your word. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you uh, remind us of the things that have been taught. You continue to encourage us, lead us, direct us, convict us, woo us, and guide us. 
So I pray that you would do that in this time now. Would you fill me afresh with your spirit? Give me the gifts necessary that the things that have been studied would be communicated in a way that builds up your church for their edification or that I would be built up in the things that are being taught or that as a church together, we would be built up and as one voice, I worship you. So that's the desire we have for tonight. Would you have your way, please? It's in your name and for your glory we pray. Amen. All right, so Matthew chapter 24. I don't know why I have a mic today, but this is the way I'm going to do it. Uh, Matthew chapter 24. So Friday's coming. And when you think about it, we've been saying this, when you think about the life of Christ, he has... uh, a couple days left with the disciples. We've said this before, when you think about the last days, if you knew when your end would be, if you thought about when your end was, um, then the things that you did would be important. There's a famous country song, I don't know why it popped in my head, um, but but the, the song is, I wish that you lived like you were dying. Like if you knew that you were dying. Does anyone else remember the song? I think I just botched the title, but... Does anyone remember the title of that song? Live Like You Were Dying, right? I used to love that song. I I went to college in Springfield, so it was country. So I used to listen to country songs all the time. Um, But there's 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 something about knowing when your end is that you decide to live differently. The things that you do, the things that you speak are, are important and they matter. You're not just wasting words. So we just came out of the woe of the Pharisees, right? Disciples. Don't be like this. Don't do this. They do this out of hypocrisy. Don't be like the Pharisees. And he goes after the Pharisees again out of love, but with a hard rebuke and going after them and correcting them. We see the widow's might. We see that kind of life that we are to live, to to give everything we have in this walk of faith. And then we get to Matthew chapter 24 and 25. And I'm like, why does Jesus go this route? So let's look at it in verse, no, chapter 24, verse one. Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple and his disciples come up to show him the building of the temple. They, they come up and they're like, Jesus, do you see this? In Mark's account, they're like, they're looking at the adoring, the adornments of the temple stones. They're like, do you see this temple? They're proud of the temple in Jerusalem. And then this is Jesus's response, verse two. And Jesus said to them, do you, do you see? Do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. It's like what a blow, right? It's like what a party pooper, like just completely sucked the wind out of the room. They're so excited about the temple, and he's just like, and they will be destroyed. So of course, the disciples are like, okay, um, now what? Verse three. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? In the last days of Jesus's life, he decides to take the disciples through a lesson of eschatology. Like if I had a couple days to live, like I don't think eschatology is gonna be coming out of me. Right, eschatology is the is the study of the end times. Jesus is going into a, a teaching of what things will come in the end. You're like, man, Jesus, like that that's a that's a bit much. That's that's pretty heavy, 
right? That's, that's all of chapter 24 and 25. Jesus spends on telling the disciples what's going to come. And I was wrestling through this. I'm like, why? And with it being the last week of Jesus' life, obviously he finds it important for the disciples and ultimately for us to know the end times. Jesus finds it to be so important that he would spend time on his last couple of days teaching the disciples eschatology. And if it was that important for Jesus to know, then it's obviously important for us to know in our times as we continue on to walk this walk of faith. So, as you know, eschatology is such a broad topic and you can spend, we've done the Daniel series here and we spent a lot of time studying eschatology. So I'm gonna try to do it somewhat justice, but it's gonna be a, a, a flyby here. Um, but I'm hoping in this, what would come out of this teaching today is that we would be encouraged, that we would be more watchful and more ready, and that as time continues to pass until his coming, that we actually grow in anticipation and not the other way around. So, Let's look at Matthew chapter 24, verse four. We're gonna skip around a little bit, but in your groups tonight, I have you reading a giant section of chapter 24 together because I want you guys to read it. But for the sake of teaching time, um, we're gonna skip a couple different verses, not because I don't wanna teach on it, but for the sake of time. So Matthew chapter 24, verse four, let's start there. And Jesus answered and said to them, take heed, that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. And, there will, and they will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not troubled. For all these things much, must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famine, pestilence, and earthquakes in various places. But all these are the beginnings of sorrows. All these are the beginnings of sorrows. Jesus finds it important to then take the disciples through what will come before the great tribulation. In verse 15 through 28, he goes on to explain to the disciples not only what is gonna come before the tribulation days. We know of the tribulation, that the tribulation is supposed to last, whoever's been in the Daniel class, how long does the tribulation last? The tribulation days. Does anyone know? Three and a half years of, it seems to be peace in the first half of the tribulation, and then the second half is called the great tribulation, which is another three and a half years equals seven years, Right? So there's seven years of the tribulation. Jesus is telling them, okay, when these things start happening and you start seeing these things, rumors of wars, nation rising against nation, you will hear of wars, rumors of wars, and there will be famines, pestilence, earthquakes in various places. These are the beginnings of sorrows and then will come the tribulation. Many will fall away, you disciples and following disciples. There will, there will come a time when you will be uh, hated by all, you, some of you will be killed for my namesake. Others will be offended, will betray one another. You will hate one another. There are many false prophets were wise. He's going into what the end times is gonna look like. Verse 15 through 28 talks about that great tribulation when the abomination of desolation comes in and sits himself in the temple. 
and talks about what kind of days that will be. It says in verse 22 of chapter 24, it says, unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. And that's, that's a, a heavy thing to say to the disciples. And, and then on top of it, Jesus is saying to the disciples, hey, you know what, my, my time's coming. I'm going to leave. I'm not gonna be with you. And he goes into like, hey, and there's a day coming that unless the days were shortened, no flesh will be saved. I'd be freaking out right now. I don't know about you. I'm like, oh gosh, like, why would you tell me this as, as soon as you're about to leave? Like, I'm, I'm, a little, I'm a little intimidated by this right now. But Jesus has a point to all of this. He goes into the coming of the Son of Man and the tribulation and what will take place. So I wanna back up and just go back to uh, verse, verses four through eight. And in verse eight, it says, all these things are the beginning of sorrows. The beginning of sorrows. That literally means birth pains. Literally means birth pains. If you wanna write that in your margins, you can go ahead. Uh, the beginning of sorrows is, is like uh, the, the birth pains right before someone gives birth, contractions, you would call them, right? Uh, and if you think about contractions, um, I know there's guys in the room, but ladies, you can attest to these things. I have never experienced it, obviously. But it says these things are the beginning of birth pains. When we think about birth or we think about contractions, what happens? When you think about contractions happening for a woman, when she's a going to give birth in the near future, when contractions start to happen, what does that tell the woman? Well, something great is coming right ahead, right? Something is coming. And then as contractions start to be more frequent, what does that tell the woman? Well, birth is about to get closer and closer as the contractions get harder and closer together. You know that something great is about to happen, that you're about to give birth. Well, Jesus compares these times before his coming as birth pains. No woman who begins to have contractions goes and oh, starts having contractions, water breaks, and she's like, oh, I, I remembered I was supposed to get some groceries yesterday. We're gonna have a dinner tomorrow, so I'm, I think I'm gonna go in the car and go grocery shopping. That never happens, Right? You have spent time before the contractions happened getting everything in order, right? You have, I remember when me and Dee were about to have the baby, we, we were supposed to have a bag already packed before anything, right? Like, hey, before you're a couple weeks out and you're like, hey, there's gotta be a bag by the front door. So if something happens, I'm grabbing that bag and everything I need is already there. I'm prepared. So when contractions happen, I'm already prepared for that day. I know what I'm supposed to do. I know where I'm going. How many times do we go over directions? I'm really bad at directions. I'm like, okay, I need to drive to the hospital because I need it a couple of times. Like I gotta drive D, don't tell me where to turn. And she's very good at directions and I'm not good. And she's, I'm like, D, don't tell me. I, if you're going into labor and something happens, I, you're not thinking about turning left, right? You're, you're, that's my job. I need to be ready for this, right? And Jesus is telling the disciples, that when we see these things happening, it's like birth pains. That when we see more of it and more of it happening, that should tell us that something great is right around the corner. That we should be prepared. That we should be ready. 
And as we see these things, we should grow with greater and greater anticipation and readiness. So, let's look at verse 9. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my namesake. And then many will be offended by this name, Christ, the gospel. And many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deliver many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. This is not lawlessness like cops are going to go away, right? Uh, Jesus says all throughout, this, uh, all throughout the scriptures, it says, it talks about lawlessness. It's as if God never gave us a law to follow. We are without law. We are without direction. Lawlessness will increase. The law of God will not be followed and it will grow increasingly more. If you want to see something, and it says, because lawlessness will abound, because they're not following what Christ has told people and how to live, the love of many will grow cold. You don't have to flip there, but I'm gonna flip over to 2 Timothy and read you a passage there. 2 Timothy verse, chapter three, verse one, it says, but know this, this is speaking of within the church, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. Perilous times or calamities, things of extraordinary magnitude. Perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, prideful, blasphemers, they don't believe, uh, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, gossipers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. I mean, <clears throat> gotta be honest, I've walked in a couple of those, right? And it says this will increase more and more within the church. And you're like, okay, I can see that. I and mean, we can see that. The things that are, are now creeping into the church and how the world is creeping into the church, we can see these things already happening. The things that are now accepted in churches that would have never been accepted. I mean, we've legalized so many things already within churches. We have, uh, we've legalized in this country, right, the gay marriages and churches are bringing that in. And we see different kinds now, some just in Canada, they just passed a law that uh, right now it's considered a federal offense if anyone is going to counsel anybody in who's um, walking in gender confusion. I will say, um, if anyone's walking in in that that um, scene. Um, or is struggling with that kind of sexuality, it is considered a federal offense for anyone to, to counsel them in any other direction. So if they even come to a, to a pastor at a church and ask for counsel, that they don't know what they're doing, they're struggling with this, they don't know that this is what they're supposed to be living, if, any, if a pastor, even if they come to them 
for counsel, counsels them to change, it will be considered a federal offense. This is in Canada right now. It just got passed. So these are things it says, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. Flipping back over to Matthew chapter 24. I don't know if you can see it, but we're already there, right? We all know this. We're like, I I can see it. I I know this. We're seeing this happen in the church. We're seeing lovelessness not happen. We're seeing lovers of money. We're seeing this thing happen. We're seeing kingdom against kingdom. We're seeing wars and famines and pestilence and earthquakes. I mean, let's just look at the time we're in currently. We see these things. Now let's look at Matthew chapter 24, verse 36. Verse 36. But of that day and hour, no one knows. Speaking of the coming of Christ. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only, Jesus says. But as the days of Noah were, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving into marriage until the day of Noah, until the day of Noah entered the ark. What was happening? Life, business as usual. They were drinking, eating. It's not just like, oh, they were just all getting drunk. They were just doing life. They were eating, drinking, getting married. They were just doing normal life. And then suddenly the flood hit them. They were not ready. They were not expectant for this to happen. It says, until the day that Noah entered the ark, verse 39, and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. This is speaking of the people that were not on the ark. They, they did not know until the flood came and took them away. What does that say to you? It was too late, right? By the time they realized this was coming, it was too late. so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Verse 40, then two men will be in the field, one will be taken and the one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken and one left. And this is not talking about the rapture specifically. Some people will teach on that. It looks more to be judgment. If you're looking at Noah, Noah's day, what happened was the people that were not on the ark and not saved and take heed to what was said by Noah and were swept away, judgment came upon them. So one will be taken into judgment, right? And one will be left, right? So this is speaking about judgment. So in those days, they were not ready. Verse 42, and here's the point that Jesus is trying to make with the disciples. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. What person is going, if he knew that a burglar was coming to his home, wouldn't stay up, wouldn't have called the cops already, wouldn't have, I don't know if you guys got your guns, whatever, but wouldn't have been ready and waiting to, to defend his home. If you knew someone was about to break in, you would do something. But that's the thing, a thief comes in like a thief, quiet, sneaky, when you're not expecting it. So, but know this, that if the master of the house had known the hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed the house to be broken into. Again, he stresses the point, verse 44, therefore you also be ready 
For the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. If you're going to write a point down, we are called to watch and be ready. We are called to watch and be ready. Birth pains should grow us in watchfulness and anticipation. As we look at this list of rumors of wars, pestilence, all this list of what's going to happen within the church, what's going to happen around us. I mean, pestilence, literally, if you look at the definition of pestilence, it's fatal epidemic disease or sickness. So I was, so I went to Canada and I'll just, I was in Canada and the level of loops I had to jump through to get to Canada because of what's happening was insane. I couldn't get a ride back. I couldn't get a flight back into the States. I had to rebook my flights because I needed to have not only uh, be vaccinated, but I had to, uh, I had to uh, get a COVID test within 24 hours of my flight. My flight was at 5.45 in the morning on Sunday. Uh, so I had to do it within 24 hours. That was the day of the wedding. And I was in Vancouver Island and there was no, because it's a, a socialist economy out there, the, the government controls the healthcare systems. So there was no places on the island that was open on the weekends for a COVID test. So I'm like, I'm stuck in Canada. I can't get a COVID test. I can't get on my plane. So the only thing I could do was lose my flight, book a new one to do a domestic flight so I can go get a COVID test domestically uh, at a different location off the island that would have it at the airport. So I had to fly over to Vancouver, then rebook, uh, uh, some of my friends rebooked a flight back, which was gonna cost hundreds of dollars. I'm like, I'm not doing that. So I had to take two trains and, and walk a couple miles to get on a bus to take a bus back to uh, Seattle, Washington to get through the border that way to meet up with my wife and kids so I can fly back home. And I'm like, I'm on the plane and I'm like, what is happening to our world? And I'm thinking about pestilence and I'm thinking about COVID and I'm thinking about all the loops that I had to jump through and I'm thinking about the plane and, and, and I'm not, I don't want to get political, um, but I will go political for a second for a reason. Um, when we think about COVID, we can go to the places of, I'm just talking about what's happening in our life, right? We, these birth pains, these, these sorrows, there's COVID currently, right? So we're, we're all aware, right? Um, and we are looking at this, we're like, man, is this the government? Like, is this just a hoax that are trying to get money or or move us to a place to, uh, to be a socialist economy? Are they trying to train us and so we can be one world order? Like, oh my gosh, this guy's going political. He's got the mic. All right, are they trying to do this to us? Are they trying to move us in this direction? Where are we going with this? Or I know people that have died. We know people that have died this. Is this really just pestilence? Is this really a disease? What's happening? Is it one, I mean, we have people on all different spectrums and all different between. That's my summary of the COVID right now. This is where we stand. Right, And I'm thinking to myself, and as I'm studying for this, are we missing it completely, church? Are we missing it completely? We're so stuck on these different things. But as I was studying for this, I'm like, okay, but who's in control of it either way? God is sovereign either way. We can fall on both sides of the camps, right? I'm not here to talk about which one or other, whether you believe this or that, but what should birth pains be doing for us? If this is either one, right? We're moving to a one world government or this is killing everybody. This is actually an epidemic. What should this be doing for us? Church is making us more watchful and more ready. So is that what COVID's doing for us? Are we stuck in the political? Are we getting stuck in the just affairs of this life? And we're continuing on like the days of Noah, marriage, eating, drinking, wearing masks, whatever it is. 
We're continuing on, but it's not creating within us a growing watchfulness, a, a growing readiness, a growing anticipation for the coming of the Lord. Is that what COVID's doing for you? See, birth pains are supposed to remind us of what's coming ahead. Remind us of these birth pains. Remind us that Jesus is coming. There's something greater ahead. And these things should grow us in being a faithful servant. Let's look at verse 45. Who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his master made ruler over his household? So Jesus considers and is taking us to a place of those that are watchful and ready and waiting is compared to a, a wise and faithful servant whom a master has made ruler over his household to give them food in due season. He's given them a task to do. And this is what the wise man is doing. He's being watchful and ready. He's being faithful to what the master has given him to do. And he's continuing to do it. Verse 46, blessed is the servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. Blessed is the servant who's watchful and ready. And all of us want to be found watchful and ready, want to be called faithful. But what distracts us from this? What distracts us from being ready and faithful, being watchful and wise? Let's continue on. Assuredly, I say to you, verse 47, that he will make him ruler over all his goods, but if that evil servant says in his heart, so he compares that person who is unwise, not faithful, not watchful to an evil servant. And he says, if the evil servant says in his heart, my master is delayed in coming and begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with the drunkards. What causes us to not be watchful and ready? Delay. You see it there in verse 48. He says, <clears throat> But the evil servant says in his heart, my master is delayed in coming. That's why he's not ready. That's why he's not walking in wisdom. That's why he's not watchful. Who can admit that as we wait for the coming of Christ, it's like days pass and how easily we get sucked into the mundane and the daily and are not ready and anticipating, have lost the mindset of there's a day coming where Christ is gonna crack open the skies. Whether I go to be with him or he comes down doesn't matter. There's a day coming where I'm gonna stand face to face with him. Am I ready? Am I doing what the master has called me to do? If the master comes, is he going to find me doing what he's called me to do? Whether I die or he comes, I want to be that servant who, when the master comes, finds me doing what I'm supposed to. Are we living in that mindset or has delay caused us to not be watchful? The Lord is not slack to fulfill his promises he has promised that there's a day coming and we are supposed to be in 2 Timothy chapter four. This is something that hits me hard. Uh, it says, Paul says, in the future there is reserved for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge will award to me on that day, Paul says, and not only to me, but, all, but also to all who loved his appearing. 
Like when he talks about watching and ready for his return, he considers those that are gonna be crowned with the crown of righteousness, salvation from the Lord, those who loved his appearing. That's a little bit different for me. That hits a little bit home. Am I in love with the coming of Christ? Am I that watchful? If I love something, so I was just at a wedding, so I was telling the groom, how, how much have you been thinking about this day? When your bride comes around the corner, you get to see her for the first time. He's like, I, I can't stop thinking about it. That's all I'm thinking about. And because of the way he was thinking about it, man, his boy's going to the gym. He's getting ready for his honeymoon. He's anticipating it. He's like, I can't wait for this thing to be over so I can just be one with my wife. He was so in love with her that he was ready and waiting. He was anticipating it. He was so in love with this. And I had to compare that with the coming of Christ. As we see these things unfolding in our life, are we those that are loving the appearing of Christ? Are we waiting with anticipation? Are we ready and excited for it to come? Or is because of delay, because he hasn't come yet, because we've been saying that for so long that he's coming, are we growing weary? What we say to our hearts matter. The servant said in his heart, he's delayed. So how we encourage ourselves matters. When Christ is coming, he is not slack in fulfilling his promises. I wanted to go through this and I'll probably go through it next week. I haven't even touched what I wanted to touch today. But let's flip over to 2 Peter chapter 3 as we close. It'll be a three-part series. Second Peter chapter three. It says, <clears throat> verse three, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of, the, of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, since the fathers, their forefathers have fallen asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Nothing's changed. Since our fathers fell asleep, Christ hasn't come yet. When is this coming happening? Days have passed. People are dying. Things are continuing as they were. Where then is the coming of Christ? For this, for this they will fully, for this they willfully forget that by the word of God, heavens were of old, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of water and in water by which the world that then existed perished. Okay, so we're saying, God spoke the world into an existence and by the same word, he caused a flood to happen that destroyed the world. B, um, sorry, verse six, by which the world that then existed perished by flooding with water, but the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are preserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. This is meant to tell us that God keeps his word. If he said he's coming back, if he said that these things are about to happen, he's going to keep his word. Remember, he created the world with his word and out of a word, the floods came. He made a promise that it was gonna happen and it happened. And if he's saying these things are gonna happen, they're going to happen. He's a God who keeps his promises. But beloved, verse eight, do not forget that one, this one thing, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. What does that mean, right? Time doesn't matter to the Lord. One day, a thousand years, a thousand years is one day. It's not, time is not the question here. God is faithful in fulfilling his promise. 
The Lord is not slack concerning his promises. He will fulfill them. If God is faithful to his word, he says he's coming soon. Are we, are we those that are going to, to know that the Lord is faithful in his promises? Or will we let time passing cause us to not believe and trust in the Lord? There is a day coming where he is coming soon. Are we those that are longing and waiting for his arrival? Next week, we're going to go through, uh, in Matthew chapter 25, Jesus then breaks down what a wise servant looks like and how we are to then be watchful and ready. He talks about 10 virgins having their lamps lit. And he talks about the, the uh, parable about those that were given talents and how they are supposed to, what they are supposed to do with the talents that were given in waiting for their master to come. But if you're going to write a point down to end it, the Lord is not slack in fulfilling his promises. I'm going to invite Gannon up to the stage. Um, the Lord's not slack in, in fulfilling his promises, but what we say to ourselves is important. The, the evil servant said to himself that the Lord's not coming, they're delayed. And how are we encouraging our own hearts with the scriptures? Are we those that because the time has passed, are we, are we going to continue to encourage our hearts that the Lord is coming? Because his coming will change the way we live today. If I were to ask you, which you will be asked in your groups, if you knew that the Lord was coming on February 16th, February 16th, that's two Wednesdays from now, what would tonight look like for you? What would, what would your days look like for you? What would you spend your time doing if you knew that this was happening? Because though we don't know the time, it is happening. And like a thief in the night, he will come. We will be those that are watchful and ready. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you've given us your word to help us and remind us, because we need to be reminded. It's easy to forget. It's easy to let the days go by and for us to grow uh, less faithful, to not believe the things that you've promised. So I thank you for your word that you're reminding us of the times. And Lord, I pray because of the times that we're in that these birth pains would encourage us to be watchful and ready. Whether you come today, tomorrow, a hundred years, or we go to meet you. Lord, I pray that because of this word, we would be encouraged to be those that love your appearing, longing for your appearing, and waiting for your appearing. We pray these things in your name and for your glory. And all God's people said, amen.